NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Hey, this is Wing Nation Steve Post, and this is the post office. Welcome to my post office. Those of you watching via the video feed, you can see, well, we're here in our post office. Those of you listening, well, we're in an office supply area here at MRM, but yeah, it has a really good post office look, and that's what we're going to do, at least with my portion of our Thursday podcast here for Wing Nation. We're going to have questions from you, and we're going to sit down with some of our favorite sprint car people and ask them your questions, a few of mine along the way, we'll see what we learn from some of our heroes. Our first guest, our first victim, Wayne Johnson, and yes, a couple of weeks ago we asked for some questions for Wayne, and we got some doozies. Some of them were not even bicycle related. Yeah, it was neat. Great, great conversation with Wayne where we talk about his decision to move off the World of Outlaw Tour to a full Outlaw Tour his thoughts on some of the safety initiatives that have been announced in the sprint car world, and we even find out how raisins are made. Stay with us. Wayne Johnson joins us in the Sage Fruit Zoom call line next. All right, we are here in the post office. Steve Post from Wing Nation and joining us on the Sage Fruit hotline or Zoom line, if you will, is my good buddy, Wayne Johnson. Hello, Wayne. Welcome to the post office. Thanks, Steve, for having me. Uh, always great to see you. It is. It's always great to catch up with you, and that's what we want to do. We just want to have a visit, just similar to what you and I have when we stand around the pit area. Well, some things we might not talk about, but uh, similar to that, just kind of kind of hanging out and, uh, and and seeing what's happening in, in Wayne's world, if you will. So uh, fun, fun stuff for sure. And Wayne's world's got a little different plan for this year. Kind of describe what you're going to do as far as your racing and, and how you've arrived at that, Wayne. Well, honestly, uh, we just sit down over the winter and uh, decided that we're just going to run the true outlaw schedule. We're just going to race when and where we want to. We're still going to run a lot of outlaw shows. I believe we're going to run every outlaw show up to Page, Texas before they head west, but uh, not going to go with the West Coast this year at all. And then just pick up Knoxville a little bit, uh, some all-star races here and there, uh, plan on doing Ohio Speed Week, Pennsylvania Speed Week. And then pick up back with the outlaws as much as possible. And then, you know, also run Knoxville, uh, I don't know, as, as much as we can. And then just going to have fun at it. I mean, not that I didn't have fun running the outlaw deal, but quite frankly, getting your ass whooped every night is not that much fun. So uh, we're just going to go back and just try to make it fun and, and uh, less stressful. You talk about getting your ass whooped all the time, and, I, and I, that's what I find fascinating. Whenever anybody, and this is whether it's NASCAR or IndyCar or World of Outlaws, you strive, you scratch, you claw, you win, you win, you win, 
and you get to the highest level and the winds don't come or they come far less frequent than you're used to, how difficult is that, Wayne, as a racer? Because up until two years ago, you were you were in victory lane. It seemed like every time we turned around. Well, it's, mentally, it's, it's very challenging. But honestly, the outlaw deal is so tough. And as a driver, I still feel like I can do it as a driver. But uh, honestly, with my team, you know, which you, you're pretty familiar with my team, I make the calls on the car, basically tell them, you know, where to go and how to do it. And, you know, basically make every, you know, manage the team, drive the car, uh, call, make the calls on the setups, the whole nine yards. Well, at that level, you cannot do that. And it takes a team effort. And I had a, a group of guys that, that I, uh, that had never been on the road and I hired them. They're local guys, friends of mine that I thought we could make that happen. And, and it just takes someone that's been on the road and done that job to make that team gel. And quite frankly, if we'd have stayed at it for another three years or something, we all probably would have been much better. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm 50 years old. I don't know that I got three more years on the outlaw thing, but it just took, you know, I tried to hire Brian Kim and all this year to come on and we were going to stay on the outlaw trail. Well, Brian had knee surgery and had some, disc problems in his back and now he's got COVID and so there's been a lot of things going on with him but it takes a crew chief you know to that's been there and done that honestly and I think that it shows when you look at Philip Dietz you know when they when him and Jason first went on the trail it wasn't very good you know but they got better and better and I think Philip's one of the probably one of the best crew chiefs out there right now but you know, they're just not the Kenny Woodruffs and the, and the uh, I don't know, Steve, Carl Kinsers. There's not many of those around anymore. And uh, just, I don't, I mean, I, I was to a blank. I didn't know who to hire and where to go from here. So I thought, you know what, let's just back it back down. I'm going to go back to, to uh, been a little more hands-on with the car and, and just making it more fun and just doing it where, honestly, Steve, if, we run two nights and we're all worn out and, and don't want to run that third night. Well, we'll just take that night off and catch back up on the fourth night. So the stress is the stress level is going to be a lot less for me. I can imagine. Yeah. This thing, this, this sport, this sport will wear you out as a, as a driver. And then you're trying to wear the dual hats, Wayne. I just can't imagine your, your, your stress level and, and, and how it had to be at times during the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, it made it miserably. It really did to try to do everything. And, and I love the sport. You know, we'd even talked about maybe at, at some point, maybe hiring a driver and just letting me take over and being the, the crew, taking over the crew, the crew chief role row. But at this point, Todd still wants me to drive the car and, and I still want to drive the car, but it just takes a team effort. And honestly, uh, we had a good team. We just didn't have a team that had as no, enough knowledge to go out and produce right away. I think we might've got there in a couple more years, but you know, when Brian came along uh, and helped us the nights that he helped us, we led laps right away. So it just shows that that we're capable. We just got to have a little more knowledge, and and it's not. I don't, I don't think Brian's any better recruit chief than I am. I think that you know we had a lot of similar things that we done to the car, and nothing really changed there, other than I didn't work on it or even think about it. I thought about driving the car, and that was it. And me and uh, me and a couple of the drivers, you know, we talked about it and they, 
they put tariffs on their helmet and watch the racetrack all night long. And I'm over there trying to tell the guys that what tires to put on and what this and what that. And it was just got, it honestly just became too much, Steve. It really did. Is there any chance uh, with, with uh, you running Ohio Speed Week? I know you mentioned that, running some all-star races. Is there any chance you might work a little bit with Brian? He is just one of my favorite people on the planet. I just love when I get a chance to catch up with him. Is there any chance once he gets things put back together with his health and everything that you might be able to team up with him for a few races? Yeah, he's going to do, uh, I think, around 25 races with Kel Conley. He was kind of locked into that deal. But uh, we're still going to try to run you know, as, as much as possible with him. Uh, you know, I've already talked to him about if he wanted to fly in for the weekend here or do this or that and the other. Or, uh, we just don't have a schedule put together yet because uh, he talked about coming to East Bay and here in Florida with us, but he caught COVID. And so I'm not sure what his uh, situation is right now. And, and so hopefully he gets well and, and he'll show up. Wayne, you talk about the challenges, the, the industry challenges as far as finding a crew chief and finding a leader. There's also a lot of industry challenges as far as crew guys to work on these cars. Um, how big of a challenge? I know you put together your own group and took them on the road, but, but as you look around and everything, it's, it jumping like nobody's with the same team. Everyone's jumping, jumping around. How big of a challenge is that right now that the, that the teams on the world of outlaw tour are facing? Well, it's, it's really tough. Uh, and I think that in whole for our country and, and workers are tough, you know, uh, I can remember, and, and you know, this we're not a super well-funded team. We do okay, but we're not a super team like the Tony Stewart teams or whatever. But when these guys are paying them X amount of dollars and 401k and health insurance and blah, 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 and blah, blah, well, our little team can't really do that, you know. Uh, and I tease these guys when I talk to them on the phone. I said, you know, it's the experience. It's not about, I mean, it is about making money, but it's the experience too. I can remember going on the road for free when I was a kid, you know, and it's just not that way anymore. And it's just because of the, the, the better funded teams can afford to pay the guys more. I mean, uh, and we're just in a situation where, you know, without a big sponsor or whatever that we can do that. Yeah. I always think about my early years doing this. I was an announcer and I, I had a Friday night track. And I, um, I, I reached out to all my buddies that were Saturday night track guys and said, hey, if you need a weekend off or wife wants to go on vacation or whatever. And I'll never forget, I drove from Clark Summit, Pennsylvania to Fulton, New York um, to announce a race. And um, I got and then I came back in North Syracuse, got a hotel room for like twenty five dollars, a Motel 6 for twenty five dollars. I went and I bought a, a, a convenience store sandwich and a six pack of Miller beer. So I'm sitting there on the bed. I spent 25 for the um, 25 for the hotel room and the beer and everything, let alone the gas money. The guy gave me an envelope. The promoter gave me an envelope. I never asked him what it paid. I just went up and did it. And he paid me $25. And I sat there on the bed and I thought, man, I must be the luckiest SOB on the planet. Look at this. I got $25 and everything. It's just, it, 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 you, you don't see, and I, and I talk to young announcers, and you, you don't see that willingness for people to do that these days. It's, it's just kind of a culture thing. Right. You know, and just like I, you, know, you said, you said, shared that story, but I, I, I've got a story that I used to drive to Little Rock, Arkansas every Saturday morning to go drive for Bobby Sparks. And I remember many times, I mean, I was just a kid. I had no money. You know, I worked for my parents, but they paid me what they felt like, I guess I was worth or deserved or whatever, still lived at home. But I would drive to Little Rock, Arkansas 
with a tank of gas in my pickup and enough money to get in the pits. And I had to make sure I made some money to get home or I was stuck or I had to borrow money from Bobby Sparks, who I was driving for at the time. And I mean, there was times I'd get there by my way in and uh, hey, Bobby, can I get five dollars to get a hot dog and a Coke? or hey you know because we're gonna make something you know what i mean but if we were ever in a spot where we didn't make any money i was gonna have to borrow money to get home so that's just how that just goes to show you know this many many years ago but that's how bad i wanted to race you know and i just don't think that there's that many people left like that anymore yeah yeah it's different it really truly is and that's again i think it's more i think i don't think it's a sprint car thing i think it's a society thing you know face it working Working's been a challenge. We put out a couple of weeks ago questions from people, and I'll raise the question Ryan wrote in. He says, how much has sprint car racing changed, especially with this next generation of drivers getting younger and younger? Wayne, is there a different, is there a different code of racing than there used to be in the sprint car world with, with the younger and younger drivers? Well, I started out as the young guy back in the day, so and now I'm the older guy, so I, I see both sides of the fence now you know when I first started all the older guys you know they didn't really like me and they kind of I don't know shrugged their shoulders at me sometimes and I just didn't know where I fit in when I was that young I started at 14 and I mean I was supposed to be 16 but we lied and said no we're four I was 16 and the way we got away with it I drove the rig to the track and they never asked because I pulled up to the pit gate driving the rig so they never asked for a driver's license but I think I looked about 11 but anyway (laughs) There definitely is. I mean, but, you know, now, you you know, these see, I see these young kids coming up and there's a lot of them that are really talented. You know, they've been racing for so long. Ryan Timms comes to mind and he's a he's a friend of mine and he's he's just they just lived down the road here. And, and you know, I took him uh, for a test in his very first sprint car. And uh, we went to Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I could see he was, he was only like 12 and he was scared to death. And I just told him, no, no pressure, go out there and just make laps and just go as fast as you feel comfortable. What well, took about a half a corner and then he was wide open the whole time. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I can remember 12. I was scared to death to, you know, I don't basically do anything, you know, at 12. And here he's out there racing cars. But it definitely is, I think, the, the respect from when I was younger till now, maybe a little less. And I just think it's the society we live in. But I also had Steve Kinzer, you know, when I was run, when I did run some four stunt, 410 stuff at his young age, if you screwed up, you're going to get your ass whooped by Steve Kinzer. So yeah. you probably didn't want to mess up. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I think that, that they're just more kids because they've, they've got to start sooner now. So I think they're the, the level of competition for the young guys. I mean, they're really ramping it up and, and making our sport going to be better for sure. No doubt about it. It's just um, the old guys look back and go, you know, these damn kids. And and I can remember being that young guy watching these guys say that to me. And now I'm kind of saying it to the thing, the same thing, but you know, back years ago when I first started Steve, we didn't have full containment seats and we didn't have head and neck devices and, all the safety stuff. So these kids these days feel invincible. They really do. And I think that's the difference, honestly. Yeah, you know, that's fascinating. That really is. I haven't thought about it with all the safety and everything like that. And I, I, the experience thing, you certainly see it with these kids. It kind of brings me to another question. Um, Rick has the question. You just talked about full containment seats and the, the head and neck restraints and all of that. Uh, another rule that's been a hot-button topic over the last week or two here is 
the fire suppression system, the World of Outlaws, Rick had this question. Just what's your, what, what's your take on that maybe, that rule, uh, and where we're at as far as the, the, the safety initiatives that we're working on? Well, I've seen a lot of Twitter and a lot of griping and complaining and this, that, and the other. But honestly, anytime the Outlaws or NASCAR or even your local track are trying to improve safety, I don't really see why there's a big bitch about it. You know, I realize that I think I read some comments on Twitter about the outlaws take you to some really crappy tracks. You know, they need to have a better fire crew and they need to do this and they need to do that. Well, they probably do. But since some places they go do not have that, I mean, what's the problem? I mean, you're talking about a $500 fire extinguisher that you're going to have to bolt it on your car. That's going to add a couple of pounds. I get it. I mean, we all want our cars to be light and this, that, and the other, but I know for a fact, being running the outlaws the last couple of years and being in a few of those meetings, they really do have the racer at mind. I mean, they're trying to improve every aspect, just like we went to, and I'm not going to say the name of the track, but we went to a track in New York this year and they were supposed to do a lot of improvements before we went back. When they showed up, the improvements didn't happen. It's not on the schedule again. So the outlaws are trying to do better. And if you don't think they're trying to do better, all you got to do is look at the point fund and the extra money that they're dumping in. And I realize Dirt Vision's making them all this money and this, that, and the other, but they are trying. And uh, Brian Carter and the whole group, I think, I mean, where else are you going to go get the kind of tow money package and points and, and sponsor money and, you know, that they're doing. And, and you know, yourself, we've talked about this before we want to went on the air here is dirt track racing is in a good place right now. And it's only getting better. And you can watch flow. You can watch dirt vision. You can watch all that stuff from home and it's just blowing up. And I think NASCAR is looking at, it, we talked about that and they're going, Oh shit. You know, we're going to have to do something here. So at the end of the day, and I know I'm rambling on about this thing, but I don't, th I don't see a problem with it. I, I just think they're just trying to make improvements and, and if you're not trying to make improvements with the car safety and they are, I mean, people might not see it. It's not on Twitter every day that they're bitching about the fence or this or that, but they really are. You just don't see it on, you know, on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's fascinating. I know I, I've had a lot of conversations with Darren Pittman. He was, he was at one time kind of the liaison, a lot of it between the, the world racing group and the tracks and people. And we've talked about it a lot. And, uh, and, and it is interesting to watch uh, over the course of time, how schedules change and how things move around and change and, and, and people get involved. So uh, it is, it's, it's fascinating to hear about that. You talk about a big events. Uh, we, and we talked just, we mentioned this in our, in our conversation before this, you talked about big events and uh, you mentioned the Chili Bowl. Um, you got a chance to go back to the Chili Bowl after five years. What was that like, Wayne? And uh, what was it like to sling that midget car around that Tulsa Expo Center? You know, we've been pretty successful at midgets in the past. And I just kind of got away from it. Wasn't really interested in the midgets anymore. And I think it was just because a couple of the teams that I drove for it just made it unfun. And anyway, long story short, uh, Todd Carlisle, which is my car owner, and Jim Ellison, which is Whit Gasnow's car owner, two of my really good friends, uh, rang me one day and said, hey, you see that midget stuff for sale? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, go buy it. So I went and bought this stuff on Tuesday before the chili roll. And we had a ball. And, you know, we didn't run that well. But I just forgot about how, how fun those cars are to drive. 
and uh, it's going to open up a couple of things. I'm not going to be an outdoor midget guy. I can tell you that. No, nowhere, no how. But, uh, you know, the second weekend of March, there's a midget race at uh, DeCoin indoors. And I think we're going to go. We got nothing going on that weekend. So uh, it was fun. And I didn't really realize how much I missed going to the Chili Bowl and and driving the midget. But uh, you'll see me now for maybe a few years to come uh, at the Chili Bowl every year. That's good news. That's good news. It's fun. It was fun to have you see out there racing that and and, uh, and and running that car. Want to go off the track just a little bit or actually transition from the track to off the track. Wayne, one time we were standing in the pits at Knoxville and I think I was aware of this, but I but I wasn't aware of the severity of it. And we, we did talk just a little bit about safety. You, uh, years ago out on the West Coast, had a really, really bad injury to your ankle. Um, kind of walk me through again what happened there and, 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 and how bad that was. Well, it was a pretty nasty crash there at Elma, Washington. It was a 360 race. Uh, me and Shane Stewart were in a race. We got together. Uh, pretty bad crash. The rear end was torn out of the car. The torque tube in the rear end was still bolted together, but the, the rear end was going forward as I turned over. And the torque tube was smashing my foot against the motor plate. So it was almost like a, uh, like a cutting board, I guess you could say. Well, it amputated my foot at the ankle. And I say amputated. I shouldn't probably use that word because it wasn't completely amputated. But the only thing that it didn't damage was one inch of the skin and, and the Achilles tendon. It didn't sever the Achilles tendon. So, uh, you know, I was in recovery for, for a good while. They told me I would never walk without a never walk without a lamp, never run, you know, any of that stuff. So, uh, you know, we're talking 11 years ago now, so I walk pretty good. You know, it's not always the prettiest, but you know, I walk okay. And, and it, and it, and it works. So, uh, you know, big part of my life, I thought my, my career was over at that point. Hell, I thought maybe a lot of things were over at that point, but, uh, fought back at it. And, uh, you know, that's why when you talk about safety with these race cars, you know, if anyone wants to bitch about something, you know, they've never made a rule that contains that dry shaft or that torque tube or any of that stuff. They've never made a rule that you have to have anything. So that's something I feel like they should work on. I'm guilty. I mean, I, I put a lot of stuff in there for myself because I know my leg can never be damaged like that again. So, you know, there's give and takes on everything, you know, and it was just a racing accident. So, but you just always got to be prepared as, as much as you can. I use that transition from racing the injury to your, to, your, to your recovery on this. Wayne, one of the things, and you and I have chatted about this before, your fitness, your health, your exercise, your workout routine, what are you doing now and, and, and how does that benefit you? Why does that benefit you? Well, I, you know, I'm probably, you bring this up, I'm probably not as fit as I was a year ago. I still go to the gym. I used to be an everyday gym guy. Now I'm every other day. And uh, honestly, the stress of COVID and, and uh, everything I put on, you know, I, I, at one point I'd lost 42 pounds, I believe it was. And I'm, I'm back up about 20 of it, but I feel like that's the weight that I need to be at. That's where I feel the best. When I'd lost all that weight, I didn't feel very strong. And, uh, but I still go to the gym every day. I mean, or every other day, I'm sorry. And, and uh, try to do the best I can. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you run and 
do a lot of things. It's just hard to do. I mean, life gets in the way, you know, racing season gets in the way. Well, when you don't have guys working in the shop like I've had in the past, because I've been doing pretty much everything on my own over the winter, uh, you know, to take an hour and a half or two hours out of your day to go to the gym. Some days it's hard to do because you're so busy doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It really is. It's challenging to do that. Further off the track, uh, we again put this out there for some questions. Uh, Jacqueline writes in and says, what is a favorite food or what is your favorite racetrack food? So you're at the gym, you're working out, but is there, is there indulgence at all? Or what do you, what do you choose like that? Well, favorite racetrack food would probably be the spicy chicken bites at Knoxville. Have you had those? No, I haven't. No, I'll have to check those out. Got to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, spicy chicken bites. Or if you're at the Devil's Bowl, you got to have a burrito. I did that. I did that, and it was outstanding. You're right about that. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Spicy chicken bowl at Knoxville. All right. There we go. Oh, we chicken go. bites. Chicken, chicken bites. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, the chicken bites. Yep. Yes. All right. The problem with Knoxville is there's like 27 different things that are great there. You're, I need to. I need to go. I need to go there more often. I think that's what I need to do. So. Well, I don't ever get anything but those. So. There you go. Um, I understand. We have a question from from Larry. I understand that you know how raisins are made. Okay, um, and this and the beauty of it is this ties back into, into racing really well, but um, how did you find out how raisins were made? Well, I had no clue until this summer when we were in California racing and uh, Larry Moles actually let us shop out of his place and he raises grapes to make raisins. And, uh, you know, he was kind enough to show me around and let me know how raisins are made and I mean, I knew that you dried them out, but I didn't know how you dry, you know, like corn in Iowa, they put in a dryer. Well, and they may have dryers. I don't know, but he didn't have one that I seen, but they just lay paper between the rows and take all the grapes off and lay them on the ground. I believe they, they lay on the ground there on that paper for eight days and they become raisins. Oh my God. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, Larry, of course, is Southern Pacific Farms. We see Southern Pacific Farms with race cars all the time. When, when I saw this question here, I'm like, what's, what's the deal here on it? And, and I knew that Larry it tied into Southern Pacific Farms, so one of the big sponsors of Sheldon Hodden Shield and everyone else and, 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 a, and a resting spot for all you guys. Um, that's fascinating. really is. Yep. Super nice fella. I mean, like I say, he took care of us really well and, and uh, let us shop there all week and basically took us out for dinner a couple times and basically whatever we needed. He was just, and I didn't know Larry at the time. And, and, uh, just, you know, I, that just goes to show you about the racing community and, and how we all just huddle together. And, you know, I don't know how many teams now have been at my house for days on out when we're down here at Dallas, uh, or Lawton or whatever. So it just, you know, and I go to Craig and Steve's place every time I'm in Indiana or whatever passing through, that's where our little, shop is if you want to per se so it's pretty cool that is awesome i I love that aspect of it i talked um uh, i talked to danny smith a lot about his um the guy captain jack down in florida uh down there and 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 we we lost captain jack over this but danny smith has shared so much stories about that and i just that's such an appeal of sprint car racing to have have destination spots where you guys can go and and, and get a shower and, and and maybe a good meal and a, and a shop floor to work on. I mean, it's 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 a beautiful part of our sport. 
Sure beats the Walmart parking lots, I can tell you that. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt, that's for sure. Let's see, I have a couple. Oh, I have, someone was asking about a Jersey Freeze. Are you a, are you a Jersey Freeze guy? Uh, no, I'm really not. Uh, Jersey Freeze is in, is in Monroe, Iowa, which is, I think, yeah. 13 miles north of Knoxville. And, you know, I lived in Knoxville for 14 years, but I'd never, I mean, if I was going to get ice cream, I just went into town to the, uh, I'm not even sure what it's called anymore. Uh, Cone Corner. I just went to Cone Corner. I never. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Cone Corner. Not bad there in Knoxville, that's for sure. It's, it's not quite Dingus, but it's a little different than Dingus, but it's all right. So, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's the ice cream of Dingus. That's what it is. That's it, exactly, yeah. Well, I have, uh, Josh has a question. Do you have any interesting rental car stories to ask, to, to share? I, I don't know which one. There's too many. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which Josh is saying. Well, see, and that's my question. That's my question is sometimes these things are loaded questions. I think that uh, the, the, the raisin was a loaded question where someone was asking a specific question, and I'm not sure which Josh this is either. So, um, Sure, but there's so many rental car play, uh, stories, but the one that comes to mind is uh, about, I don't know, two years ago, maybe three years ago on vacation in, in, in Mexico, uh, we lost the rental car keys, and it was a fob. And we were just close enough from the bar that we were at <laughs> to the to the to the uh, hotel that it still the car still drove there. Well, the valet had the key, and we all went home. We were all way probably too drunk to be driving and anything. Anyway, nine a.m. the next morning, the flight leaves, and there's no key to go in the car. So we had to leave the rental car at the resort. And that was a pretty hefty bill to, to get that all worked out. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's the story because there's many yeah, stories. Somebody was, somebody was, somebody was fishing there. I, I want to kind of, um, I, I want to wrap this up just talking about a few people in your life. Uh, some, some uh, more casual fr friends, people and, and in family as well. Um, Josh Hegwood, Chick Magnet Motorsports. And that may very well be the Josh we're talking about. Tell me about Josh. I've met him a few times. How did you meet him, and how did you become part of Chick Magnet Motorsports? Well, actually, Josh's dad, Jody, is one of my best friends there when I lived in Knoxville, and and uh, Jody is just a super guy that give you the shirt off his back. But, uh, you know, jo uh, uh, Jody's – I'm not even sure how to say this. He, he – Josh is always with was always with Jody when he was younger, and you know he's got a chromosome issue, or I'm not really sure exactly what the problem is there. But uh, you know, Jody was saying, you know, Josh is. I'm not sure what I'm going to have to do with Josh because he's never going to have a job. He's a great kid, and he's you know, and he's really intelligent. He really is. But he said, "What should I do? You know, what do you?" I said, "I tell you what to do. Just start bringing him to my shop three days a week. Drop him off, and I'll pay him." to work and he's like you do that I said yeah I like the kid let him come out I'll let him clean or whatever so he started coming to the shop three days a week and it just became a friendship and uh then the next thing you know chick magnet started and then he started drivers you know I was the first driver I believe I was the CEO of chick magnet motorsports or whatever it was at the time and it's just evolved and you know the kid's a great kid he loves sprint car racing and you see him on Twitter and on Facebook and, you know, he, now he's, he has more feature wins than any 
owner in Sprint Car history because he has like 35 teams now. So count those all together. It worked out pretty good for him, you know. I think 60, 70 wins a year or something like that. I'm not sure what it – but, no, just a good kid and and uh, glad to, to be able to do what I've done for him and and bringing him to the shop and, and you know, introducing him to other drivers. And and now I don't have to do anything. It's all on his own. He's It's him and that's his deal. And he got he has merch and does all that stuff himself. And uh, what a, I mean, what a story. I mean, I think they've even made a video about him. And, I, you know, it's, it's just a cool situation, you know, uh, for him to get to do and, and go like he does. Yeah, he's kind of built his own little mini empire there, and I love it. I think that's so neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has such a passion for the sport. Uh, a person that you are more involved in as far as the business goes, Todd Carlisle, your 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 team owner there. What 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 has that meant to you to have a guy that's that's all in? You you said earlier in the interview, Todd still wants you to drive for him. What is what is it like to have a partner like that in the in the in the racing world? Well, I'll tell you right now, it's 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 not even a partner. You know, he's he's my he is my best friend. You know, he he does more for me and my family than anyone ever has for one. But and I'm gonna back you up a minute because it's not Todd Carlisle, it's Todd and Kelly Carlisle. We got to get that straight. <laughs> and I think that's where I win a little. I win just a little bit there. But no, Todd. Uh, you know, Todd came on the scene with me in 2000. I believe it was 2000, late 11, 12. Uh, I've known Todd for years and years and years. I've probably known him at this point, probably 30 years of my life. But there was a time that we were, you know, didn't see each other for a long time. And when I come back from being hurt, I had my own team. I had one car, one little old trailer that I think I borrowed. And maybe it was a dually I borrowed from somebody else. And who, I don't remember how it all went, but Todd showed up at a race and, and uh, that's how it all started. And here we are nine, nine years later, maybe 10 years later. And he's still, you know, he was a sponsor at first because I owned my team. And then, uh, you know, it evolved into he wanted to be the car owner. And just a, I mean, just an awesome family. You know, it's, it's not just Todd and Kelly, you know, he's got two daughters. Well, they love sprint car racing probably more than me. Yeah. And so it's, it's a family thing. They love going. They do. You know, Todd doesn't get to go as much as he likes to because his business is so busy. And uh, but I don't even know how to say it. Just there's not very many people in our sport that is as involved as he is and spends the money that he spends and makes it to eight or ten races a year. And basically has I have an open checkbook. You know, I buy parts and I don't even get I mean, I'm managing the team and he knows I take really good care of it. And we've came under, we've, and I'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. We've come under budget a couple of years in a row. So I yeah, you, I'm doing, I'm doing a good job. So, but no, I, I don't know what I would have ever done without Todd. My, my career would have been over many years ago because uh, finding sponsors like that are, are few and far between for sure. And, and uh, basically we, he asked me what my plan was when, uh, he's done being a car owner. And I said, when you're done being a car owner, I'm done being a driver. So that's kind of our deal. I guess he's not done being a, a car owner yet. We'll keep it under budget An under budget sprint car team. I don't think that was a phrase we'd ever put together. That's pretty awesome. 
That may be why we can't hire anybody. I'm too damn tight to hire anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, but he, but, he, but, but he did go buy a midget car, so I guess it's all working out all right. That is cool. Yeah, you know, and that's what it, this whole thing, honestly, was about. He wants to have fun this year, yeah. and he wants to see smiling faces in the pit area. And, and uh, you know, whether win, lose, or draw, we're still going to have fun. And the outlaw deal just got to be where when you're – I mean, we wasn't successful at all, you know, and it just became a grind and beat up and nobody grinned and nobody had fun. And so we just decided to uh, have fun again. Nice. It's going to be great. Final two people I want to ask you are probably the two people closest in the world to you. Sarah, your bride. Um, you, you roll along through life like a lot of us. You're married. You, you, you have a child. You end up divorced. You find yourself alone. And you live this racing lifestyle that is difficult for you to do, let alone to bring someone else into it. Uh, and yet Sarah comes along and you two side by side travel up and down the road and do your things. What What has that been like to have a, have a partner like Sarah? Oh, my gosh. Uh, man, I don't even know how to even start. You might make me cry over this. I mean, really. I mean, yeah. you know, I've, I've been married and, and, you know, it's just hard to have be married and, and travel and when they can't go and you know the kids and this that and the other and we're going way back when but just makes it tough yeah well I really never felt like I had a, uh, somebody that had my back 24 7 and Sarah does and you know we we said we'd I, I said I'd never get married she said we'd never get married you know blah 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 all this stuff well next thing you know we're married so uh, I don't know what to say other than, you know, I love her to death and she is definitely uh, my rock because I'm getting ready to leave here on Sunday and be gone for five weeks. And I think she's going to come for one weekend because uh, she's back in the office now because of the COVID stuff's over or not over, but you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. no, just, uh, you know, honestly, Steve, just uh, an awesome person. She is, she has got my back 100% and, and vice versa, uh, just never had that connection. I felt like, and and it may be that because she loves Frank car racing more than me. I'm not sure. Well, there you go. That's all right. I always love following her Facebook friends. I love following her because she's such a runner. She's so avid in that. And she's there's a there's a group of people like Bonnie Elam and 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 Sarah, people that I see that inspire me to keep me digging and everything like that. So I, I just love. I, I just I find that so fascinating. And the final person I'm going to ask you about. I think I ask you about her every time we talk. How's Paige? How's your girl Paige? Oh my goodness, growing like a weed. Uh, she has a in Iowa. You have you can have a permit at 14 to drive. I saw that. And so she had never drove a car before. And I was shocked at, and cause I, I could have swore I let her drive maybe when she was eight or nine, but anyway, long story short, she, she, uh, got to do some driving and now she's getting to do some, uh, driving back and forth to school and this, that, and the other. And it's not a full blown permit yet, but she's working on it, but you know, she's still dancing 40 hours a week and Man, I'll tell you right now, just growing like a weed. She's not a little girl anymore. She's a young lady, and, uh, you know, I miss her dearly when she's not around me, for sure. You had some really magical times. I talked to you one time at Skagit when you were on the road with ASCS, and her traveling with you and, you know, negotiating with various people in the pit area to babysit and everything like that. Uh, that, that is time I'm sure you wouldn't trade for anything in the world, Wayne. 
No, you know, and, and this summer we got to do a lot of things together and she's getting older. So she, she has her own mind where she wants to go and the things she wants to do. And we got it, we, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to push all the stuff I can Steve in the as short a time as I can, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I know she's getting ready to be 15. Next thing there, she can be, dad's not going to be cool anymore. Right. So we did Niagara Falls and we did the St. Louis Arch. We did the Mall of America, uh, Hershey, Hershey Park. We did all this stuff this summer. And she's like, dad, can we just have a, she's asking me just to have a normal day, you know, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but I'm just trying to make sure we get all this stuff because eventually you're not going to be want to hang out with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you because I went through the same thing. My youngest one is uh, 19. My oldest one is 23, and we never hit that phase where they didn't want to hang out with Dad. We did a lot of the same things. We did Hershey Park. We did the Niagara Falls. We did it. I think um, I, I think you're onto something there. And uh, I saw you. I, I saw you uh, a, a picture of you doing the uh, driver training, and I thought, boy, how's this going to go? So <laughs> it's neat. Well, listen, she doesn't need any help. She knows how to drive. She's been driving go karts and four wheelers her whole life, and she just, you know, it's it's just a mental block in her head that she can't do it. And I took her over to the mall here in town and it's, it's a closed down mall, but it's huge and yep. stop signs and stop lights and all. She maneuvered it all, did well, parked fine. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the problem is, but, but uh, she hasn't got on the interstate yet. She's not, she's not ready for that. So, but she would not drive with her grandfather, her mother, or even with the uh, instructor at school she wanted to drive with dad first so that really made something to me see that you're gonna be all right you're you're, you're you you might have a day or two of that doesn't want to hang out with dad i don't think you're gonna have a phase that's for sure uh it's just something about uh, i i i it's, it sounds like you're on about the same track i am and uh my uh my oldest one just got back from india she spent a month in india doing yoga training and uh that's the furthest that's the longest we've ever been apart um that was a little rough um, but, um, we went out to dinner the other night, last night when I got back and everything, it's, it's all good. Dads and daughters. It's a good combination. It really is really truly is. We're, we're uh, very fortunate to have girls. I, I don't have a son. I wish I would have had a son. I have a stepson now, but man, those girls, I don't know. Girls and boys are girls and dads yep. and moms and boys seem to, I don't know. You're closer that way. Like I was closer to my mother than I was my dad. So that's, I think that's the way it works. I think so too. I think so. Wayne, it is always a pleasure to chat when we decided to launch the post office. I was so glad we were able to make you our first guest on it. And uh, just appreciate the visit, appreciate your time, and can't wait to catch up with you at a racetrack this year. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It's always awesome to be on, to get to visit with you. And and uh, I'm shocked that there wasn't some different questions. I'm actually not shocked. I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> we, we, we weeded out the bicycle questions. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> you understand? I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're, it, it's a new year. It's a new season. So we'll just uh, move, move forward with it. So, so yeah, I'm over, I'm over was, the bicycle questions. I'm over all that. There was a bunch of those. I will say that. So <laughs> it's all good. Wayne, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve, for having me. There we go. Wayne Johnson, more in just a moment. I love chatting with Wayne Johnson, whether it's in the pit area or here. 
in the post office. Appreciate him taking some time and joining us via the Sage Fruit Zoom line. That's what we're going to do on the post office with Steve Post, have conversations. And we're going to weave in your questions that we'll ask in advance once we know who our next guest will be. So we appreciate the questions and we love hanging out and talking with Wayne Johnson. We're also gonna do a couple of other different shows that will drop on Thursdays. As you know with Aaron Evernham, if you've followed Wing Nation much, you hear the drivers or you hear crew chiefs say, as you know Aaron, she's a former racer. She has such great engineering background. And they say, as you know Aaron, stuff they'll never say to me because I've never sat in a race car. So we're gonna have those in-depth conversations, the as you know conversations with Aaron Evernham. We're also gonna have getting off track with Ashley Strummy. Ashley co-hosts our MAV TV show. Hope you're checking that out on the weekends as well. So we're getting off track with Ashley and she is going to just bring you the flavor and talking with so many neat people off the racetrack. It's gonna be fun. Get Ashley's perspective from off the track. Getting off track with Ashley Strummy, as you know with Aaron Evernham and the post office with Steve Post. And then maybe once a month, we're all just gonna sit down and the three of us are just going to talk sprint car racing. So looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting time, that is for sure. And we appreciate you joining us here on our maiden voyage. Again, thanks to Wayne Johnson for spending some time with us. More important, though, than all of that, thank you for spending time with us here on the post office here on Wing Nation. Yeah, we don't need people walking into the, walking into the mail room here. <laughs> it's like... I'm trying to, I can't see, so I got this on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. What is all that on the back wall? This is this is actually our mail room. This is our mail room. So like MRN envelopes. Oh, okay. So yeah. So I mean it's just our Yeah, over here's a copier. You know, I mean it's just you know, it's just uh yeah, we got a copier over here. It's just the mail room. Yeah, so we were gonna we were gonna create a set and then um and then then Hank comes in here and says, Well, this is better than a set, you know. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's in the it's in the mail room, and uh, and and this we've got. Um, I'm not sure what this United Rental Toilets. So, <laughs> it's, oh well, sounds good. All right, we'll do this. Have some fun with it. That's what it's all about. It's having a good time here. So, yes, yes, indeed. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper to bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.